Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Scott Trepacock, who is the CEO of Core Mining, their TSXP listed gold explorer and developer of assets in California and BC. Their flagship project, Imperial, is down in California. Uh, things going well, especially uh, the share price, which trebled since the last time we spoke to them, just three months ago. Um, we've got Eric Sprott on board now as an investor, 25% shareholder. And um, we learned that the model hasn't really changed. It's slow and steady approach. Uh, the three non-core assets are being developed to the point where there can be a monetization event, which will be used to fund and develop the flagship project, Imperial Down in California. We talked through business plans, how things have evolved, what they're going to use their money for, and some of the decisions that they're going to have to make before the end of this year. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Excellent. How are you? You're not bad. It's been a while. I say, well, we spoke in April, uh, and I just need to point this out to people before we get going. In April, your shares were 37 cents. You were just under 30 million market cap. You've had a busy COVID period. <laughs> yeah, we've had, a, we've had a really good three months. Yeah, you really have. You really have. So look, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about uh, that and get into the strategy. But first of all, just kick off with that one minute overview of the business, and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, absolutely. So Core is a, a relatively new gold equity. It's been public now for about 19 months. We've got a portfolio of gold projects for, to be precise, in California and British Columbia, two in BC, two in California. We've got about 4.9 million ounces of resources across that portfolio. So we do have real value in the ground. We've got a PEA on our flagship project uh, called Imperial that we're moving uh, into permitting and we're exploring with some strategic investment from Eric Sprott across the portfolio. So I think it's a really exciting time to try and build a gold business. Well, it definitely is. It definitely is. I think a lot of gold projects are getting the benefit of the gold bull environment for sure. Um, and it, what I'm keen to always discover is, is it just a case of anything with gold gets uh, given money uh, or are you actually building something which is going to be going to create real value? So. Let's just remind people, because we went through quite a, a detailed conversation around your business plan and strategy. And where we ended up, just to save some time here, is that Imperial is your flagship project. The other projects are being developed and value is being built and set against those with the ultimate goal of monetizing them so that you can advance the Imperial project. That, that, that's what you told me last time out. Is that yep. fair enough? Yep. Good. Fair enough. Things have changed. Things have changed. I saw some drill results this morning from FG up in British Columbia, which last time you, when we, again, when we spoke last time, you said, well, maybe we'll, we'll advance it a bit and then we'll kind of uh, get a JV partner in or maybe we'll sell it. But the numbers that came out today were pretty exciting. Have your plans changed? Yes, yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, one of the reasons I joined Core was the portfolio nature. And, you know, I think there are a lot of strategic choices to make when you have a portfolio. And, you know, I think in the long term, it is tough to get value uh, in the mining business for multiple assets inside a single company. If they're all similar, like pursuing four exploration projects all at once in one company, investors would probably ask the question, what am I in investing in here? Um, and Core does have that opportunity. So you're right, we are making choices and, and continually evaluating our strategy as we go along the path. And with the share price appreciating from the 37 cents to let's say, um, you know, mid-dollar range now, 
Uh, it's opened up obviously access to additional lower cost capital when it comes to issuing equity, you know, from our, from our, you know, from the treasury. And we've got us brought in a strategic investment where it's brought that puts us, I don't know, we're sitting on I don't know, 10 or 11 million Canadian dollars that we feel we can deploy some of that capital. And it's what we actually told Eric when he, before he put his money in is that we want to deploy some of your capital to, uh, add value to these ounces in the ground, these other projects in parallel to making sure we move our flagship Imperial very clearly and professionally down that value creation path of permitting. Uh, and, but I don't think, but I think going back to what we talked about in, in April, I don't think it's changed the strategy of the company. At some point we're gonna have to make that choice to either park those exploration assets in the background and you know go out and raise money from institutions on the back of a development story do we break up the company and put the BC assets somewhere else? Do we add them to another company? Do we sell them outright? I think those are all choices that we still have ahead of us. And ultimately it'll come down to, you know, creating value per share and making sure that we're, we're tight with issuing capital as we, as we build out the, uh, I said, I, well said. So value, value per share is where it's at. Now, there are many companies that we talk to who have this portfolio approach. They don't have enough money to do much with anything, and it's, it becomes a very difficult story uh, to follow or, or believe. You've got four assets. The, the, three, the three assets that you've got, you've now got money. Money you didn't have three months ago. You've now got money to attribute to those in any way you feel so what is the plan how much money goes on imperial and how much is attributed to you know fg for instance obviously where you've had this sort of rather nice uh, grade uh, drill result come out today yeah without, without preempting my board meeting that's tomorrow about use of capital uh you know i think the way we're thinking about it right now is imperial is number one use of of, of cash when we raise capital we ensure that mark leduc our chief operating officer and leader of the project has the budget to hire his team, engage with stakeholders, put in our permitting documents, and let, let's call it, we, it's the do it right budget, right? We wanna do it right on the ground so that we maximize the, if a third party comes in, a big company, and they look at the asset, they wanna buy it down the track, they can look at all the work we've done and say, we can just pick up this project right here and drop it across the finish line because these guys have done such a great job. That's how we want our Imperial project to proceed. So that is funded. Then you look at the rest of the cash that, that we have and we, and we say, okay, we now want to allocate capital in, you know, we're, we're all pretty cheap here in management, which is, I, I think is what you want. And we want to take, use our capital in the best way in each one of those assets to build, you know, two things. So they're already hundred percent owned, but we want district scale. So we want to have projects that have that, scale potential to host infrastructure, to have resources that are worthy of development. We wanna move each project step-by-step step along and, and through that path. And then, and then with, a, with a side objective of making new discoveries and growing ounces in the ground, you know, where we can afford some, you know, call it some wildcatting off the edges of, of the, these projects. So that means we're putting money into regional exploration at Imperial to grow the project. We're investing in increasing the size and quality of the Long Valley project. And up in BC, we're trying to redefine a project that's been kicked around through a few cycles and, and try and make a real project out of it. So slightly more speculative, but we think for the one and a half million dollars we've allocated to that project, that we can make a real step forward and have people say, wow, these guys have another asset that has, that has real value. 
Okay, but the order order of play hasn't changed here because I mean some of the issues yeah. we talked about in California last time were around permitting, right? And um, now with things changing up in, in BC, do you start to look at the projects differently, or do you think these these are? It's obviously you're only at PEA stage, but these are not insurmountable, and there won't be long timelines that we're talking about in terms of resolving that. Yeah, yeah, no, like a good strategy, I think, is a is a is a consistent path to follow, and you've you know, you've got to make you know make some adjustments along the edge, and with with the access to capital, we've obviously made some adjustments along the edge that we are going to go do some of the work that if we were smaller and didn't have access to capital, we would have looked at joint venture partners and earnings to come in and do some of that work to to show the value. So that's the steps we're taking right now at, at FG, and I think we're having some 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 great some great success and. You know, one of the things, you know, we don't have to raise tens of millions of dollars. Core has, just by the assets that we acquired, shallow deposits that are all road accessible. So we don't have to fly helicopters up into the Golden Triangle and spend huge amounts of money drilling in the Arctic and putting in ice roads. And, you know, we can we can just hire a contract, they drive, drop a drill on the project and, and drill shallow holes to, to, you know, add value. So I think it does not cost us a lot of capital. To advance the, these assets. So, but that's 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 FG. We're kind of bouncing around the assets at the moment. I don't want to confuse yeah. people. So, FG, I, I get that you will spend whatever you think you need to, but it's not primary focus. It's easy access, it's cheap, it's shallow, and all the rest of it. And you'll you and you're in no hurry now to find a JV partner or sell it because you've got access to capital and you've got Eric Sprott on the board, which has the not the board, but uh, as an investor, which just makes mm. access to money even easier and it makes it cheaper. Let's focus on the, the question I asked, which is around California permitting, etc. How do you, with more money, ensure that you can get this thing over the line? It's a PEA stage. How do you get it through, obviously, feasibility? How do you resolve the issue of permitting? Are you having conversations? What are, what are those conversations? The funding doesn't change the approach. Like I, like I said, we want to follow the do-it-right path on the ground in the project regardless of so that so that's where you you know that's the immutable use of capital that the expiration can't take away from so you know on the ground in imperial uh you know mark leduke our chief operating officer is in the process of, of opening a local office we've put together a team that we think is a great on the ground team that's engaging with the local political establishment the local chamber of commerce talking to the local community getting the bureaucracy in the county geared up to support our permitting because it's not an insignificant thing to propose developing a, a mining operation in, in a community and it's a lot of work on the ground to to seed it so that you know you 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 forget the best support you can and all that work is ongoing uh it's not the most exciting when you put out a news release about yeah we're on the ground talking to people but you know we're getting a really good groundswell of support from the political establishment i think Unfortunately, uh, you know, COVID has created, um, you know, higher unemployment and a, a greater desire for economic development. I think that's probably true across the United States and, and politicians are being, oh, you can bring jobs and skills to this county and you're responsible in how you operate your mind. You know, we're going to be very supportive and, and, and just digging into that and moving as quickly as we can within the, the bounds of, of the process of permitting. Uh, it's you know, we got great traction. So I understand that. In fact, it's the, the irony is also not lost on me that the COVID is possibly enhancing uh, the ability of mining to actually do, do business. But California traditionally been fairly anti-mining. Permitting has been an issue. 
um, how do you how do you get over it? How do you make people feel comfortable that this thing can get resolved? Because you're not the first company I've spoken to this week who've got you know issues with permits in California. What, what are you doing about it? More than just talking to the community, how, how do you give assurance to the market that it's going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, I think to give assurance, quite frankly, we got to make we have to make positive steps forward. So we're engaging with stakeholders and we want to show over time that they're supportive, that the BLM is taking steps to move our project through the permitting process. And all you can do is, is move forward in, in the process. You know, as far as the, I guess you're talking a little bit about the sort of marketing inside and what do you, what do you say to people? Um, you know, we are building, you know, our strategy is what we call a coalition of support. So over time, we want to get support lever- letters from mayors, chambers of, of that says so we I, support your project and we're super excited. Okay. Do you care whether Trump wins or if the Democrats get in? Does it affect your ability to get this project permitted? Yeah, it's not it's not about, about Trump. A Republican administration would mean continuity of direct direction within the Department of Interior, which runs the BLM, which is our primary permitter. A change of of, of political leadership to the Democrats would mean over time. There would be changes to that bureaucracy. However, you know, even under the Republicans, the process has, it hasn't changed. And the, getting back to California specifically, or quite frankly, Idaho, or even Nevada these days, the, there will always be those that oppose mining development. There is an NGO community in the United States that just has takes a view. If we can you know, get traction on a project and, and raise money and make it an issue, we will. So we have to do all we can to make it a non-issue. And you know, the best thing you can do to do that is to get support of the local community. It's no different, quite frankly, than anywhere else in the world. I, I built a mine in North Africa, and it was because of that local support that you could say, okay, you can push off all the others. And if it's not a political issue in California, you know, you'll get through the permitting processing in the United States because, you know, by right, we have, a, you know, we have law says we can permit a mine here. Okay. I guess we'll waiting waiting brief on on that side of things with regards to how do you move this forward? Again, we've 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 heard a few different business models. Like in, in a gold bull environment, people want to take advantage of that because it may not be around forever. Um, they want to move things quickly. So, mm-hmm. have has your approach, your forward looking approach to how you bring Imperial forward or take Imperial forward in the context of you don't want to be a mid tier miner? You tell me. Uh, has that changed? Are you accelerating things or is it just uh, as we were? Uh, I mean, mine development is not something we you can do and you can accelerate in six or, or 12 months. So, you know, at Imperial, the thing about development and is it's steady at the helm. So we are steady at the helm. We have, we're telling people on the ground what we're doing at the project and we're moving it forward as quickly as we can in the context of you know, moving forward a large industrial development in a community. So I think what what we have changed and we, we do have the ability to call it pull some levers is on the exploration side. So we staked a large, I think really the, the historic gold district uh, in this county, which has a 150 year history. And we are gonna go out and more aggressively explore on that. If we make some new discoveries, I think what it does bring forward is the potential monetization of the asset to a, a large uh, mining company that may want to use this project for growth. So I think that's where we can pull levers to create value for core shareholders. 
but creating value at the asset level is all about steady at the helm and doing it right. And there's, you can't accelerate that. This is, there is a process and we're, we're going through it in the most expedient way we can. Okay, so Eric Sparks just put a chunk of change in. Um, you've got into money in a couple of times now. Um, how is he at all nervous around this permitting issue? Is he saying, actually, just be careful about how you spend your money? Should you be conserving your energy and money until this permit, there's more sight on that? Uh, no, no, actually, actually quite the opposite. You know, his, uh, his mentality is, you know, it's a cyclical business and we seem to be going into what I think will and what he believes will be a multi-year um, gold cycle. And in so doing, he wants to see companies get out and make a name for themselves and try and get value for their assets in that marketing. You can only do that by doing real work and, you know, adding value to your assets. We're doing that through the drill bit, as we've talked about on the expiration side. Well, you know, with our excess capital, while making sure that we're, you know, steady at the helm on the ground at Imperial. So has he bought into your company's philosophy of bringing projects through to a point where someone steps in and takes you out. You've, you've said to me previously, in three years time, we'll have sold uh, Imperial. Um, is he buying into that model or is he buying into the ability to access projects which he may then sell on? No, I think he's bought into the, the, the prior to sort of read, read his view. I mean, he sees a whole bunch of companies are going to come out there's going to be a stable of, of growth projects. The mid-tier miners and the larger miners are going to get higher and higher values. Investors will eventually push them beyond dividends for growth, and they'll have to go start kicking off a, an array of M&A where mid-tiers buy juniors. And I think he, he sees himself monetizing a whole bunch of his share positions you know, through that process. And he's placed lots of bets. Now, he did, he did take a 25, now it's 26% of core. So he obviously obviously believes in the business plan that we've described to him that is exactly what you know we've described to you and you know I think he wants to see value creation you know through the cycle and, and that will at his 25% shareholder he's not selling stock or monet you know he didn't come in for three months to get the the bump he's gotten to date he's taken a big stake and he the only way you can monetize or get value through the cycle is to either become a miner and generate cash flow and move on into the future or to position your assets in a place where they can, you know, generate, you know, solidify value for shareholders through M&A, moving into other companies, selling assets and all, all of the things that, that can happen as you go into a, a commodity cycle. Okay, so given he's invested in you and your thesis, um, and he's put quite a chunk of change in here, has he, have you had time enough to demonstrate to him that you're capable of developing projects? Because with him or through him, you can get access to more capital. You can get access to more companies to put inside this portfolio. Or do you think you've just got enough on your hands at the moment and you need time to actually prove that what you say yeah. is what you can do? Yeah, and Eric's a busy guy. He's, he's invested in so many companies. You can't get a lot of his time, right? He listens to your story, you know, he, and he's got a lot of capital to deploy and he's, he's taken a big position. So he, he believes in, in what he's heard. I think for me, uh, the, the more validation about our plan on the ground at Imperial has got to be the Macquarie investment because Macquarie did due diligence within their investment agreement. They, you know, they've got, you know, social standards we have to meet. Um, we've got various, you know, you know, international standards we have to make to make our, our Imperial project bankable. And again, this is back to the, the, the strategy of doing it right on the ground because you want 
the project that if it, at some point down the road you hand this project off to somebody else that it's fully teed up to go into production because that's how you're going to get the best value for it. Okay, let's let's talk about value. Okay, if I look at you versus some of your peers, you are not valued very well. Okay, all CEOs mm-hmm. tell me that they're undervalued. All of them. Even the ones who are your peers will tell me that, okay? So that's sort of our job. Yeah. It is your job. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. But in, uh, in the same breath, um, does that mean that you're missing a trick somewhere because the market's just not buying into what you've got? It can't just be down on Californian permitting. You, mm-hmm. You've got a lot of other things, moving parts in the portfolio. And I, don't, I know you don't necessarily see them as core and Imperial is the thing that you've chosen to focus on, but. What is the market not getting? You know, that, that's a great question. We ask ourselves that on, on a regular basis. You know, we track, you know, the value of our ounces in the ground compared to peers. We track, obviously, our, our price to nav of peers. And while our share price has had a good run, as you've said, from uh, April to now, and if you look at the chart, you might say, wow, you've kind of, you know, some people are like, oh, you kind of missed before. Yeah, I, 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 you know, we go back to exactly your statement that, valuation fundamental valuation appears still low and we need to work hard to change that and and you know we need to do that by generating news releases like we did this morning on fg working our assets talking to as many people as we can in the market you know thank you very much for people like yourself for interviewing us and giving us that exposure so more people know about core so sorry the direct answer to your question after my my pontification is is it is about uh, market awareness of the company. And it's still only 18, 19 months old now as a public equity, whereas most of our peers have three to 10 year track records where people say, okay, I know what that is. Those guys did it in the last cycle. I can see where this is going again, where they're sort of looking at core and going, where did this stuff come from? I need to think about this about a little bit. I want to see a little, a little more action. I want to see some results. I want to see some news flow. So, you know, we've got to it's, there is a very significant marketing component to trying to get increase that valuation. And again, it's also back to the portfolio thing. Do we do at some point, do we need to make a BC company and a US company? Do we need to, to make those things to unlock that value? Because getting valuation, if you look at our other peers that have portfolios, it's hard to get peer level valuation for each asset within a portfolio in one company. So again, that's back to our, our strategy. Well, that's where I'm going. And I'm sort of hoping yeah. we're going to have a conversation today about because uh, people do find it hard to value different assets within a portfolio company. It, it sounds great, but you've got to have monetization moments on a reg- regular basis for the market to actually be able to see what that means in dollar terms, in share price terms. Okay, you've in three months changed the shape of the company in terms of its market cap, its share price, which is which is which is great, but. And you're going to try and resolve how you how you can better compare against your peers, but at the end of the day, people just don't get what you're trying to do yet. Are you not tempted to go and find yourself a good asset to work on? You guys have good management. You have good strategies. You do things well. You do it when you say you're going to do it. You've managed it on tight budgets. There's a lot to like about this, but you're doing it with assets which are just hard work. With access to Eric Sprott and his capital, and if he believes in you, are you not tempted to go out and maybe make an acquisition? No, acquire right now, no. I, I think we need to just, you know, mining is like all businesses, is a, is a you gotta work hard. 
So we're going to work hard for our shareholders and, and we hope to continue to generate returns through that, that hard work. We've got a little bit of capital in our pockets now to do it. So it's just keep doing the hard work. We got to, you know, grind it out and, and you got to continually make your projects better. So, you know, when I say no, when you say acquisitions, it depends on the scale you're talking about. We are going to look for opportunities to make sure we have the land and the claims around our projects to support real mine developments. So we will continue to look at things around the edges to make our assets better for sure. Can we stake some claims? Can we pick up some blocks that enhance the exploration? Do we see a good opportunity over there that enhances the current assets? But I don't see us stepping into a whole new area or jurisdiction with a new project right now. That's just not in the cards. We need to bear down and do good work on our projects to show that they are worthy of value because the market, you're right, does not see that right now. So when do you start making decisions? When do you start talking to the market about that? Because if I'm looking at FG, all of a sudden, that's a totally different story from uh, three months ago because that was a low grade, you know, 0.8 of a, of a gram type story. Not that interesting. You said you're going to drill a few holes, but you, you were going to do it on a success-based spend. Um, looks like that spend has delivered some interesting results. Does that turn your head at all? Certainly, it gives us, I mean, with, with, the, with the access to capital, it's given us confidence to put another 5,000 meters into that asset to, you know, put more technical meat on the bones to show people that we can, that that deposit can be better than 0.8. Our objective is to upgrade that resource to something where we can have an economic open bid and, you know, give a hint that there's some good underground opportunity, which we're, we're seeing sniffs of in the, in the deeper drill holes. And that's all about creating a, this realization that, ah, this is a real asset. And, you know, you know, the market's pretty smart. There's a lot of smart investors out there and they think in some ways very similar to the other companies. So as we convince investors that FG is a good project, we will probably also convince companies that FG is a good project. And that'll then again, bring up those strategic choices where maybe we're better to push that project into some other situation um, to generate the value for our shareholders. And, and certainly we are constantly feeling out the market for those opportunities and, and making sure that we keep an eye out for generating value. So when's the next fundraise? No, no time soon. You know, we're funded to do 5,000 meters uh, with, we did some flow through with part of our ERIC financing. We've, you know, got brackets as soon as we get the permits to do a million to two million bucks between Long Valley and Imperial Regional. And Mark is fully funded for the do it right plan for the next six to 12 months. So, you know, if you hit a big whopper hole in one of these things and, and you've got an opportunity, maybe you'd look to increase the scale of your programs. We will, we will have enough drill pads permitted to spend a lot more money, but we just don't see it prudent to do so uh, at the time. Right now. Have you spoken to Equinox recently? Uh, I have a regular dialogue. I know I know the team over there quite well. Um, certainly, uh, we'll see. We're, we're we're keen to see how their strategy evolves. I, th I think their strategy is doing quite well. It's a question of uh, how it evolves for you, um, Scott. Appreciate uh, you coming on and talking to us. I love the last conversation. I've liked what I've heard today as well. So, like, um, best of luck. Pick up the phone when there's uh, new news. We'd be delighted to take that call. Great. Wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for taking some time to, to think a bit about CORE. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.